Welcome in. This is your live chat for this week's Palmetto Championship. It is brought to you by our friends over at Jock Market. And the next hour is your time. Anything you want, questions, comments, concerns, throw them in the chat. I'll get through as many as possible. While you're here, go ahead, hit the like button. That goes a long way for me. I don't ask for much. Really appreciate it. Uh, Also note that everything you see comes from my site, rickrungood.com. That will get you access to all the tools, all the data, everything you could possibly imagine, and more stuff than you probably want anyway. Uh, So go ahead and check that out. But let's dive into the comments. And Greg, right out of the gate, good morning. Can everyone smash the like button? How about that? There you go. I said it, Greg. I remember to say it this time. You always say it for me. Thank you very much. What are your thoughts on RCB, Rafa Correa-Bayo? Could he be a sneaky one-and-done play? Well, he will certainly be sneaky uh, and under-owned, but let's see how he's been playing recently. Again, this is the holy grail at rickrungood.com. It's just going to allow me to see all the raw data on Rafa Cabrera-Bayo. The good news is three straight top 40 finishes, three straight events in which he has gained strokes on approach. That is something he has not done in quite some time. Uh, So the ball striking numbers have definitely improved. If you believe, Greg, that he can continue and do this for a fourth straight week when you consider the strength of the field, you might be in on someone pretty interesting. Um, I will, it, you know, excitement level. I always say like five is average, right? A five out of 10. I'm like a five and a half. I'm like, just barely like, okay, I'm coming around on RCB. Kevin Erickson with the super chat, much appreciated. He says, and we're off. Yes, we are. Let's do it. Let's go Palmetto championship. These are the weeks, Kevin, that, uh, I think the, well-informed, well-researched players like ourselves have the biggest edge. I'll talk more about that later, but Kevin, your support, always much appreciated. Thank you very much. Tim wants to know, Ian Poulter or Brant Snedeker in one and done? Oh boy, it's that type of week, is it? All right, Ian Poulter or Brant Snedeker. And what I actually, um, I should probably make this known, if you hold control or command on your keyboard, on, on a Mac on your keyboard, you can select multiple golfers. And that goes for a lot of places on the tools. You can select multiple items, courses, uh, tournaments, whatever you want. So it allows us to kind of compare them a little bit better. So Tim, I'm comparing uh, Poulter and Snedeker here uh, since the start of 2021. And what you'll notice is they both are very much reliant on the short game. They both gain strokes around the green. Ian Poulter is significantly better putter, although they both rely on the flat stick and they both are kind of struggling a bit in terms of their T2 green play. Snedeker, however, has been a little bit better or at least has the ability to catch fire. The sixth place finish at the Valero Texas Open where he gained seven and a half strokes on approach. Probably unrealistic that he does that again or Poulter does anything close to that, but at least you can see Poulter never sniffs anywhere close to seven and a half strokes on approach. So I kind of like the upside of Snedeker. I've gone back and forth a little bit on these two golfers just because of how long it is. Uh, you know, neither of these of these guys are, are particularly long, and both are going to rely on the short game. If you made me pick, I'd probably go with Poulter here. The putter is that much better, and neither of them are going to be that good tee to green. I think Poulter's a little bit safer. I think Snedeker is a little bit more volatile, a little more upside. So maybe that'll help you make your decisions. I don't, I don't want to mispronounce your name. Is it Craig? Greg? K-R-E-G. Craig with a K? I like it. 
How about a deep dive on Scott Stallings? Let's do it. Deep dive on Mr. Scott Stallings, the original Bryson DeChambeau. Remember when he bulked up and everybody talked about it? Yeah, that's him. Um, let's see. What do we see here from Scott Stallings? So coming off of uh, made the cut in Fort Worth. That was a Charles Schwab challenge. That was the last time we saw him. Third place finish at the Byron Nelson. We are seeing him gain a lot of strokes on approach. This is a good sign. At only once since the American Express. So basically only once in 2021 has he not gained strokes on approach. Very good sign. The putter starting to warm up. This is interesting here. So if you look at what he did from this, from Houston, which was November of last year, to Valero, he gained strokes putting twice. Now he's done it three out of his last four. Has he found something? If he has, I'm interested. That's the Scott Stallings. Is Peter Uline in line for a big PGA Tour outing this week? Pun intended. I like that. So I'm pretty partial to a lot of the Corn Ferry Tour guys. Um, this field is weak. It is probably the third or fourth weakest field we've had in the last year or so. And Uline uh, has been splitting time. and He's been playing well in the Corn Ferry. He's been playing okay up here on the PGA Tour. Um, he is, listen, he's a seasoned vet. He's going to he's he's go out and grind for you. Guys like him, Seamus Power, David Lipsky. I saw there was a question about David Lipsky, so we'll get to that in just a second. There... Yeah, I, I like these guys this week. Um, I'm, I'm certainly giving them uh, a, a big boost. Hey, Rick, hope you're well. Thank you. You as well. Do any of players this week stand out in terms of betting odds versus DK salary? Norton and Glover seem to have the best value compared to their odds, but not sure of any others. Glover was the one that stuck out to me, especially depending on where you got that number. Um, you know, I think DraftKings had him at 28 or 29 to 1 to win this golf tournament. William Hill, I think, had him at 40. Circa had him at 42, but Circa has everybody a lot longer. But to get that big of a discrepancy across two major books like William Hill and DraftKings, I thought was interesting. So what I actually did is I I bet Glover at William Hill just because the, the numbers were so good there. And of course, the outright number dictates a lot of the top 10, top 20 numbers as well. So I think I did Glover outright and a, and a top 10 bet on him at that book, but I probably wouldn't have done it at DraftKings. Um, you know, looking at kind of the, the board here to see if there was any others that were big standouts. I didn't think so. Let me just kind of breeze through these really quickly. No, I don't, I don't believe there is a big one. Glover was the one that stuck out, uh, stood out to me. So if I think of any others, I'll come back to it. Paul says, thoughts on EVR this week? He's priced around, around the same as Norn and Varner in my pool, which are safer picks, but I'm getting South African vibes from this course. Maybe. Um, you know, this is very much sand belt-esque. It's more based out of Australia than it is South Africa, but those sandy-like conditions uh, certainly can be found in South Africa as well. So EVR is right here. He's $7,500. The only issue that I have, I guess, is a pretty big one, Paul, He's missed four cuts in a row. And if we go and we do a deeper dive on EVR, we can see what the issue is. And it's unfortunate because it is, oh, it's a lot of things, quite honestly. Uh, he's lost strokes on approach in four straight. He's lost strokes around the green in three of them. He's lost strokes in put putting in three of them. This seems like a lot of holes to fill for me, Paul. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried about that. Um, he has a lot to turn around. I would be a little bit concerned about it. Are you worried about Glover losing five strokes on approach in the final two rounds at the Memorial? I had to look back a couple of years in your database for the last time that happened to him makes me nervous. So I saw that as well. We can pull this up here. So Glover is certainly going to be popular this week. 
just because he's one of the few guys who's come out and said, I actually have played this golf course before, and here's what Biggie Balls is referring to. He loses two strokes on approach at the Memorial in round three, 2.6 in round four. And again, he's right. You go back and you look for a two-round stretch in which he lost five strokes, and you don't see it. Now, normally, I would argue... It's unlikely for that to happen again. And if you want to counter that, you'd have to counter it with the fact that he's been a much better putter recently than he ever has been. And maybe they're a little bit connected. Maybe he's giving himself, you know, strokes gain approach or strokes gain tries to um, protect itself from this. But maybe the idea is he's not hitting his approaches as well. He's giving himself a couple of longer putts. He's made a couple of those and now it's improving his strokes gain putting numbers. Uh, obviously that, that doesn't have to be the case, but it could be one of the things here. So um, no, you give a guy a couple of days to get right to, to get on the range and start figuring it out. And he is, uh, you know, generally one of the better ball strikers that we have in this field. I'm, I'm not as worried about it. Hank Hill says from a strategy perspective, and risk tolerance isn't an issue. With a week like this, when there's no course history, would this be one where I should try to expand or shrink my player pool? Oh, interesting. I would say if you don't care about risk tolerance, expanding it. Just because, I mean, who's got the win equity at the top? DJ, who hasn't been playing particularly well. Brooks, of course. Sungjae, who has one PGA Tour win. Matt Fitzpatrick, who has zero PGA Tour wins. Terrell Hatton, who has one PGA Tour win. Are these the guys eating up the win equity? The answer is yes, they are. But but I think that that means uh, there is a lot of random guys and a lot of things that can that can certainly go for the rest of the field. So I think if you're just asking this question about lack of knowledge about the course, you don't care about risk tolerance. I think expanding it is the answer to your question, Hank. Lucas Glover is a popular pick for obvious reasons, but from an ownership perspective, is he really twice as likely to win the tournament as Brant Snedeker in the same range? So let's see. I have a, a, a projected ownership number of 16.8% on Lucas Glover. I have Snedeker actually creeping up. So I'm not sure. So I did push an update earlier, Clint. So these numbers might be updated from the time that you sent this along. So I have them much closer. But to answer your question, anybody in this $8,000 range is probably not twice as likely as win of winning this golf tournament as anybody else. Uh, you might want to start playing the ownership game, especially one to me. And I think I saw a question that's, that's down here as well. But once you get past kind of 8,600, I think it's a free-for-all. I think a lot of those guys are very, very similar. Hey, Rick, who's growing on you, and who are you souring on um, as we approach this week? So I think I'm growing on Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, so Fleetwood, I have checking in around 13% ownership. It is on the lower end of um, of of kind of the guys in the 9,500, although it's pretty spread out. I think that you know Tommy's ball striking – whether he's in good form or not is, is generally going to be much better than the vast majority of the players in this field. And I don't think people realize how good he is around the green. In fact, I'm pretty sure we can look this up really quickly here on the golfer profile. Pretty sure. Yeah. This is the best year he's ever had around the greens, which is encouraging because I think you're going to be hitting a lot of long irons into these greens. I think that you are going to have to get up and down. There are a lot of runoff areas where balls just kind of trickle away. Even if you kind of landed on the green, it might not stay there. So I'd be interested in some of the short game players. And then guys, uh, someone that is that I've probably cooled on, I think is Hatton, Terrell Hatton, who 
I'm projecting 27% ownership, which to me would be the most, uh, the highest owned golfer on the slate. And anytime you start getting to 27%, I'm scared. Uh, when you start getting 27% on a course that no one's seen, I'm scared. I think that he definitely hits his long irons better than a lot of others. But this, he, he said himself this morning in his presser, he said, um, you know, this is like, he's rusty, right? I think he actually used the word. I'm, I'm working through some rust right now. So, um, I would be worried about that. And I would also be worried about, or I'm not worried about it. I just think there are guys I'd rather pay for. I'd rather pay for Brooks Kepka, and I'd rather go down to, to Sung JM. So for me, he's kind of in an awkward pricing spot as well there, Dan. Thoughts on Ben Martin in DK? I'm interested, but not convinced. Yeah, and I think that's a fair assessment to have, Sid. I, I, I'm not really convinced either. Although I'm not really convinced on a lot of this field. The good part, and the good part about Ben Martin is the data that we have is is pretty solid. The bad part about Ben Martin is that we don't have a lot of data. So in his last seven starts, only four of them are measured because he played Zurich. They missed the cut, him and his partner. He played Punta Cana, played Puerto Rico. Well, there's no shot link data at any of those. So seven starts, four of them we have data on. The data we have is great. He gained strokes off the tee in all four. Gained strokes on approach in all four. Gained strokes putting in his last two. The... The data that we have is good bet or a good sit, excuse me, but it's just not a lot. I'm not sold either, but I, I believe I'm more willing to find out, find out if it's the real deal or not. Trying to decide between Hatton and M in one and done. Would you try to save Hatton for the open championship? So I kind of just went through the reasons I'm not as bullish on, on Hatton this week. From a one-and-done standpoint, I think there's a couple other spots that you can continue to use him. You could use him at the Open Championship. You could use him uh, at a WGC event coming up. I'm trying to think of the schedule off the top of my head. I think there's other places to play him. I'm I'm probably a lot more bullish on Sungjae this week than, I, than, than most. I know he's coming off of two missed cuts and three out of his last four, but, you, you know, I'm I'm comping this pretty significantly to Royal Melbourne in in Australia, and he played well at the Presidents Cup there. He is a really good short game player. We saw that at the Masters. We've seen it in a lot of places. I'm I'm willing to get back in on Sungjae. I think it's a really good spot to deploy him, especially because a lot of people have already used Sungjae. Uh, would be my assumption here. Do you have any concerns about players like? DJ and Brooks not being fully committed this week with the U.S. Open right around the corner. This is a question I get a lot before major championships. In theory, if they're here, I think they're trying to win. In practice, if he go, if one of these guys goes three over through their first nine, they might start thinking, maybe I should just go to Torrey Pines early, right? And not that they're not going to try to grind it out. But what they might start doing is taking lines and being aggressive and saying, if I'm going to make me, Hey, I'm going to put my foot on the, on the gas. If I make three birdies or four birdies and get back into this thing, I'm back in it. If not, and I make a couple bogeys, it's not that big of a deal. So I, I think I'm more, I'm, I'm less concerned than I am concerned. If that makes sense. Um, just because these guys, once they get going in the moment, and then once you, once you survive the weekend, quite honestly, if you guys, if you get them through the cut, I think it's full steam ahead trying to win the golf tournament. Let me pause here for one second and talk about jock market, which if you've ever, ever, ever wanted to play jock market, I, I think this is the week right now with a couple of factors. There is so much unknown this week 
And I actually think the outright market is incredibly difficult, but, but, but doing something where you're only trying to see if a golfer will beat their expectation. I think there's a lot of guys in this field who cannot win. I think there's a lot of guys in this field who can outperform their expectation. Ben Martin is a really good example is, you know, I don't know what Ben Martin's price in the jock market is going to be tonight, but let's assume we're asking him to finish 35th or better. Can he finish 35th or better? Absolutely. He can. Can he win this golf tournament? Highly unlikely. So I like the idea of this week being one for a ton of value of these guys who are going to be three or $4 a share and there's going to be a ton of a, a ton of upside if they finish 20th or something like that. So I think it's the perfect week to play jock market. It'll also allow you to get your feet wet for the U.S. Open next week, which is going to be a massive cash market. And thirdly, they just bumped up the deposit bonus. It's now $50 deposit bonus if you deposit 20. It's got to be one of the best bonuses out there. The code is Rick. Thank you for using it. It helps me as well, but it's it's probably one of the best deposit bonuses out there. And if you're wondering what the heck jock market is, it's stock market DFS. So you can buy shares of golfers, sell them. You can buy them throughout the week. Tonight, Wednesday night, that's IPO. You bid on golfers. And at nine o'clock Eastern tonight, those shares are allocated. So last Wednesday, Patrick Cantlay, he sold for $7.75 a share. He won full payout, $25 a share. You made $17 a share on Patrick Cantlay. You might've got him cheaper uh, after, after the first round or something like that. So it's a lot of fun. There's a live chat this evening at 8.15 PM Eastern time for Jock Market, where Joe and myself are going to go through all the things for the IPO. So right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, if you're here now, you are in the right spot. Ryan says, Hey Rick, I'm betting Sung J at 22 to one as well. There you go. Do we just play the vineyard vines core? Okay. This is pretty funny. Knox Poston, Neesmith Martin. Tell you what, in this field, it's not that bad. I'm not as big of a Poston fan as, as most people, although this is a very weak field for him. It is, uh, he just qualified for the U S open. So he played well at the, uh, I forget what regional he was at. I forget, but, um, played well, got into the U S open and, Maybe he continues it going this week. Learned the hard way about ownership last week. Keegan Bradley. Yep. Uh, gun to the head. Con- convince me to fade Whaley. Do not include ownership on analysis. Three pivots of Whaley. Oh, Mike, this is, this is a multi. This is, it's like you, you are putting a gun to my head with these requests. This is like holding me hostage to all of these. Um, I have to convince you to fade Whaley, but do not include ownership on analysis. It's Vincent Whaley. I mean, I, I mean, he's, I don't know what to say. He's made nine cuts in a row. He's been really good. I guess the argument is he's like the 300th ranked player in the world. And this is going to stop at some point if I'm not allowed to use ownership, but that's probably the only argument. The guy's got one of the longest cut streaks going in the PGA tour right now and three pivots off of Whaley. Well, let's take a peek. He is 70. Why am I? Why can't I see him? $7,700. Um, Pat Perez in my model sh- showed up really well, 8%. And Seamus Power, 7.5%, I like as well. And I will not give you a third pivot because nobody holds a gun to my head. This week, my head has been spinning. Keep it simple, stupid. Going bomber lineup with Kepka, Mitchell, List, Gordon, Vegas, and McCumber. Thoughts, everyone can thank me later. Well, everyone can split with Denver Timmy when that wins the uh, the 200K. I like Kepka. I like Mitchell. List, I I understand. I think he gets this weird little bump because he has the course record here, or at least did as of a week ago. Gordon scares me because while he is long, 
He's very inaccurate off the tee. And from what we're hearing around Congaree, and and I, this is kind of the same what we saw at, at Kiowa as well. If you miss the fairway and you're in those sandy areas, you're kind of at the mercy of whatever happens. So that scares me a little bit. Vegas is a much better driver of the golf ball. Uh, doesn't do doesn't do much else very well, but at least he should be playing out of the fairway. And then McCumber is a guy that I actually uh, don't mind down in that in that bottom range as well. How do you feel about Ricky Barnes? I know he kind of sucks, but in his last start at Byron Nelson, he gained in all three tee to green categories. Interesting. Let's. I mean, I have not considered Ricky Barnes for one moment this week. So let's take a look together. Um, Ricky Barnes used to be the guy that threw four holes on a Thursday morning. He would always be winning the golf tournament. So let's open this up and see a little bit here. Oh boy. We just have so little data on him. Um, doesn't play often when he does, he plays events without shot link data. You're right. He played gained everywhere in T to green at Byron Nelson still missed the cut. I don't know if I could endorse this. This this is just there's just no information, and the information that we have isn't good. So, 80s guy. If Ricky Barnes pulls it off, it will not because I think that he is doing it well. Hey Rick, I'm trying to make up some ground on my pool. Seems like the place to fade Brooks because of popularity. Hashtag Team Brooks. I'm looking for some value down the board. Thoughts on Satoshi Kodaira? So I actually, um, Kodaira was on my short list. I don't know if he got into, I'm still tinkering my core, which is something I'm not usually doing this late, but um, Kadira was on my short list. So I don't actually mind this. Let me see if I can find him here. So the concern is he's not long off the tee. The idea is maybe this doesn't play the full 7,655 yards because Kadira has been good recently, right? I mean, he's got 13, a 13th place finish at the Byron Nelson, 11th at Quail Hollow. That's a big boy course too. And he was able to pull it off there. Is he a bit reliant on the short game? Sure. But has he been doing it? Yes. Is he a winner on the PGA tour? Yes. I don't necessarily hate it. He was on my short list. Uh, you would definitely be, if you're trying to make up ground, you're definitely going to be the only person with, um, with Satoshi Kodaira. <clears throat> Hey, Rick, is there a place in this field to find out which top 25 player in the field has not received their COVID shots so we know who is an escalated WD risk while winning after third round by six? <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Um, yeah, it kind of stinks last week for everybody. And and I got a lot of emails and I got a lot of messages. Rick, how are you going to deal with John Rahm in your one and done pool? And the answer is the rules are very clear. And I abide by the rules. You get $0 and you do not get to use your alternate and you do not get to use John Rahm again. It sucks. I get it. But those are the rules set in place and the rules are, are very clear and they're there for a reason. It's unfortunate. Is there one guy, is there one best play for a guy with little to no shot track data? Uh, that would be Ben Martin. Hey, Rick, can you talk us through the chalk this week? Sure. So I have the highest projected owned players to be Terrell Hatton and Dustin Johnson. They're both around 27%, in which case I've often said, once you start getting near that 30% mark, um, you could almost argue it's an instant fade, especially on a course that we don't know anything about. Uh, just because golf is very, very hard and very, very volatile. I mean, Dustin Johnson at $11,400, what is he going to have to finish? Top five? Terrell Hatton, same thing. Then Harold Varner III is going to be popular, 22%. Those are the only three golfers that I have over 20. 
And then there is just a lot of spread out ownership. You know, a lot of guys from 15 to 18, like Alex Noren, Lucas Glover, Snedeker, Ben Martin, Vincent Whaley. Are Ted Potter Jr. and Chase Seifert viable 6K options? I do not believe so. Um, if you want viable 6K options, I think that uh, John Pock is one. I think he's 69 or 6,800. If you want to go down, I, I don't mind Michael Gligic at 6,500. That's probably as far as I would go. Uh, but I do not believe Ted Potter and Chase Seifert are viable. Is there any merit to playing the guys who did well in the U.S. Open qualifiers earlier this week? It certainly doesn't hurt, right? The guys that aren't that interested withdrew, right? So some guys qualified and withdrew, Peter Malnati being one of them. Uh, you have to play really, really well in a U.S. Open qualifier to make it through. So I, I certainly don't mind that thought process at all. TJ says, Rick. Hey, TJ. Good to see you, bud. Great show as always. Thank you. I hear this is a link style course. Do you feel any of the Euro players do well like Padraig? Yeah, okay. So Patty is the one guy. I mean, it's it's Link C, right? It's, I don't think it's a Lynx course. There are, there are some similarities to Royal Melbourne. There are a few a few things that Kiowa kind of are interesting with. Um, what it does is it gives you the opportunity or the choice to play the ball on the ground, which... I think helps some of the Euro guys who grew up doing that. We saw Patty finish what T four at the PGA championship. So if you want to go down that low, I certainly don't mind that. Here's the question about Lipsky that I mentioned earlier. And, um, you know, spo- I guess I'll just spoil it. I'm, I am going through a massive update of rickrungood.com, which is, I'm always going through a massive update at rickrungood.com, but you are going to be seeing, um, corn fairy tour results added to the site soon. Don't quote me on a time frame for that, but the idea would be, you know, you could pull up Peter Uline or David Lipsky and you could see, okay, here's his last 10 starts. Maybe five of them are corn Ferry, Five of them are the PGA. Um, I like David Lipsky a lot. He is, he, he's won already this season on the corn Ferry. He has a couple other runner up finishes, a bunch of top tens. He is already uh, guaranteed his card for next year. So this is a name you're going to want to get used to. Played a lot on the Corn Ferry, trying to hit the ground running at the uh, at Palmetto this week. So I I do like David Lipsky. I think he's seventy, I don't know, seventy two, seventy three, something like that. Uh, Brady says, "Hey, thanks for the awesome content. Thank you. Your favorite play between seventy five hundred and seventy nine. Interesting. That's kind of a dead range. Let's take a look. Um, I think RCB Rafa Correa Bayo is certainly going to catch some steam. I think that Ben Martin is certainly catching steam. I think my favorite." Is it weird to say Seamus Power? Again, this is the idea that, I mean, he's played well when he's come up here. He's played great on the Corn Ferry, and he's played well in his last start here at the PG, on the PGA Tour, 10th at Byron Nelson. Um, and you are getting him at 7% ownership. So I'm going to put all factors together, Brady, and say it's Seamus Power Week. How are you dealing with larger single entries this week, thinking about playing two of the expensive guys or playing balance? Yeah, so I I went... I went very stars and scrubsy. So the idea being, um, I, I want to get three guys over like 8,500. Now it's kind of hard, but I think that those guys are where the actual difference in golfers are. Once you start getting down to me, there is very little difference between someone at 7,700 and someone at 7,200 is, is Sepp Straka that much better than Patrick Rogers? Probably not. Is Joseph Bromlett that much better than Will Gordon? 
probably not. So to me, I think there is uh, larger margins at the top of the board, much smaller margins down at the bottom. So I have opted to jam three guys um, kind of at the top there. Poulter or Mitchell for one and done. Wow, these guys could not be any more different. I think Mitchell, understanding that he is very volatile, but when he is scorching, he's really good, man. He's just so good, Chris. You know, he's he's great from tee to green. He makes a ton of birdies. He carried Sneds on his shoulder shoulders during the Zurich Classic. I'm kind of leaning in that direction. I'm hearing different reports on key stats. Is it better to have strong off the tee accuracy or approach this week? Well, Gavin, um, anybody who tells you that they know is lying to you because there's no data to go off of. We can certainly do our research on the course, which I believe I, it's, I've, I've done great research. Uh, and I can tell you what I think they are, but I could be very, very wrong. I believe it will be a benefit to play out of the fairway. Now, if you can hit it long and play out of the fairway, even better. But you are at the mercy of whatever happens to you if you miss the fairway. Sand, trees, footprints, all that stuff comes into play when you are not in the fairway. Um, I also believe that because these guys are going to be hitting a lot of long approaches uh, and these greens have runoff areas that you're going to have to be sharp around the greens. I think there's going to be a lot of we- a lot of holes where par is a very good score. And, you know, we can look at the weather forecast. In fact, let's, I think the harder it plays, the better. So here's Thursday. And this has actually gotten a little bit better, in my opinion, from last time I checked it. So Thursday morning, you know, less than 20% chance of rain, PM thunderstorms up to about 40%. Friday looks fairly clean. Again, maybe showers in the afternoon, thunderstorms over the course of the weekend. So maybe this doesn't play as firm and fast as they would like, uh, but I think you're going to have to be accurate. I think you're going to have to be a strong short game player. Do you have any stats for the best fairway bunker players? Do I? So if you go to the golfer profiles, you can see every official stat from the PGA tour approach the green. Do they have, so they've got approaches from the rough. They've got approaches. I don't think they do fairway bunkers as a, an official stat, Chris. I got approaches from every proximity from the rough or the fairway, but I don't think that's an official stat. I'll have to double check on that, but I don't, I don't think the PGA tour tracks it. Hey, Rick, could you name three guys you could see grinding for a winning a win this weekend and another three who are playing next week who might mail it in? Oof, man. Um, it's kind of a tough question because it's really hard to get into the brains of these golfers. But three guys who will grind, Fitzpatrick, give him an opportunity to win. Like he's now a favorite and has never won his first, has never won on the PGA Tour. I would imagine that would be a grind spot. Um Sung Jay grinds every single week. Uh, guys like Higo, guys like, I mean, there's a lot of guys who are going to grind for you. It, it'll be, it'll be probably easier to list the guys that are unlikely to grind for you. The prime candidates would be DJ Brooks Hatton. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anybody further down the list that I would be worried about. See these guys further down the list, they need this. They, they can't not grind for you. So, yeah, they're they're all just super they're all just super incentivized. I'm like number 27. What about you? I don't know what that means, Scott. But I, I appreciate the support. I don't know what that means. 
what is the optimal? I talked about that optimal strategy. I'm doing a, I'm doing stars and scrubs. Talked about Ben Martin. Talked about Seamus Power. Any practice rounds, quotes, rumors, data on how the course is playing? So no data. Um, actually, I could check the. Did they do a pro am this week? All right, I'm gonna try to pull something up on the side here because sometimes when they do the pro ams, the media tracker uh shows pro am results. I don't know if they're doing that this week though. Give me one second here. I'm gonna try to pull this up on the side. And I don't normally do this, so just bear with me for one second. I'm gonna try to log into the media tracker and see what's going on. But there were some quotes. Um, I think if you want to go back and read Brooks Kepka's transcript, Dave, um, I think he was kind of describing how hard the course is. I, th- I think it's going to be harder than people expect it to be. If, if, if anything pops up on the media tracker, it's loading right now, I'll let you know. Going deep this week. Thoughts on Hudson Swafford? Yeah, I think the Sea Island Mafia, um, I think that gets kind of really blown up when you're, anytime we're in the Southeast. But let's do... Let's do a little bit of a deeper dive on Hudson Swafford because we have not done one in quite some time. And you're right. He has one coastally, if that's what you want to call it. So, oof, not pretty for old Hud Swaff. Since his win, oh, it's been terrible. Oh, it's been so bad. He's lost strokes on approach nearly every single week since waste management. He's not very good off the tee. He's terrible around the greens. That concerns me. He's been okay with the putter. I'm very, very scared about that. Pat Perez or Vincent Whaley? Pat Perez showed up really well in the model that I ran. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what did I run on the DFS preview. I think it was 24, last 24 rounds. I think I said 25 on around the green. I think I said 15 on putting. I think I said you have to be accurate, so I put 20 there. I did 15 on this, and I did 20 on... This, and I took this down. Sorry, if you're listening, that's 15 off the tee, 10 on approach, 25 around the green, 15 putting, 20 on driving accuracy, and 15 on birdie or better. Is that what I did? To get Pat Perez to show up? Yeah, here he is. Something like that. But Pat Perez was like my seventh or eighth ranked golfer. Um, Now, Vincent Whaley was also probably in my top 12, but believe it or not, Pat Perez is probably playing better than you think. Uh, AJ says, love using the lineup uh, builder. It has helped me turn a profit the last month. I I thank you. Can you explain where you get the projected ownership from? Is it projected ownership from one specific contest or an average? So it is designed to be for like a large GPP. So think about on DraftKings, the flop shot. Um, That's the one where you get, you know, 200,000 up top, 150 max entries. It's designed for that. It is not designed for a single entry. It is not designed for a cash game. Uh, The single entries are always going to, the chalk is always going to be chalkier, but it's designed for like your, the largest contest on whatever site you are on. Who's going to be the most owned in the one in, in the Rick run good one and done. Probably Lucas Glover would be my guess. <clears throat> yeah, Vegas is the questions about Vegas. Uh, he's always very good off the tee. He's not very good in any other category. I'm a little bit worried about that. Do you think sand save percentage is a little more important this week due to the second cut or is it irrelevant? Uh, sand save percentage is unfortunately just kind of a flawed stat. Uh, you can, you can get there with strokes gain approach. If you're talking about fairway bunkers or strokes gain around the green, there is a, there is something in the tracker here. Let me see what this is. 
Is this the Pro-Am results? Did they play? Okay, I don't know if this is, I don't know what this is, but there is something in the tracker. And they're, the guys are paired up together. Someone, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm way behind on the comments, so maybe someone can help me on what this is. But I can tell you, I don't see, I don't even know if this is real or not. Guys are, guys are paired up. Ben Taylor and Johnny Vegas are paired up on the media tracker and for whatever format they were playing were seven under that's the lead Shelton and Bramlett Murray and power Stewart and Han were the next group, but I really don't know what this is. Um, I don't know if they're testing the shot linker once. Sorry, sorry guys. I don't, I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know if they played a pro-am today. But if they played a pro-am and seven under is leading it, this course is going to play very hard because usually those are scrambles or best ball or something like that. Sorry, I'm just trying to figure it out and hopefully provide some, some insight there. Um, okay, let's let's get back to this. If you were going to do a custom model today, how would you set the percentages? So while I have that up, I kind of just did it. I think this is fine. Maybe I'm going a little bit too heavy on strokes gain around the green. I have it at 25. Um, maybe I'm not going heavy enough on approach, which is just always the best metric that you that that correlates to success. Maybe I'm giving too much credence to strokes gained accuracy. I don't know. I don't mind this. I don't mind this at all. Matt Fitzpatrick was number one, Glover two, Norin three, Kepka four, Sung J five, Snedeker six. Um, and I actually got an email from someone who, you know, has kind of been, I don't know if like officially or unofficially tracking, uh, kind of the results of these, of these models. And apparently they've been doing pretty well. Uh, again, the model, the model is only as good as what you put in it. It's not, it's not, it's just telling you who the best players are based on the parameters that you put in. But I think we've been pretty good at finding um, sync and KH Lee were popping up uh, when those guys won. And I think Cantlay was up there recently. So I think it's done a pretty good job thoughts on Luke list. Um, yeah, we can do a little bit of a deeper dive on him. I, I love the off the tee stuff as usual. I love the fact that he's held the course record here and has at least played the course, but I mean, he's really difficult to watch at times when you look at some of his other metrics, specifically the flat stick. And, um, I just think he's going to have a lot of putts for par this week. And that's a little bit scary to me. So I'm kind of out on Luke list. I've never heard your win percentage in the matchup show, uh, spit out four golfers that equal, 42%. Yes. Yeah, so I think you're talking about this, the tournament predictor. I'll pull that up here in a second. I'm fading everyone, but the lowest owned. Do you have a lean? So I think you're referring to this. This is the, this one here. Is this what we're talking about? Four guys getting 42% or so. Yeah, that's about right. Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Terrell Hatton, Sung J M. It's just, it's the way this model is built. Um, it's a really top heavy field and it does not give a lot of credit to the guys with the win equity. So I, I agree. I think that the winner is probably coming from the top, but I think that the top 10 is going to be littered with a lot of these names that no one, no one knows. I've answered a lot of these, so I can roll through them pretty quickly. Do you like to build the same lineup in several DK and only change maybe one or two guys? Yeah. I do that big time. There's a core cascading strategy that I use that I've documented. It's it's on my YouTube channel that uh, essentially does that to the extreme. With your belief that driving distance and accuracy are going to be important due to the course length and sandy exterior. Wow, Bernie, that was like the perfect way to put that. What do you think about uh, leaning heavily on good drive percentage metrics? That's actually not bad. So if you're unfamiliar with good drive percentage off the top of my head, it is uh, how often you either A, hit the fairway or B, hit a 
green or fringe in regulation, which I like to use that for courses like Harbortown, uh, even Colonial, where there's kind of like tree-lined, you have to be on the right side of the fairway. It basically just says, did you hit a good drive? If you didn't, did you leave yourself in a position where you were able to hit the green or fringe, right? So if you missed the fairway, you weren't missing it so detrimentally that you could not find the green or fringe. Uh, so yes, that's actually that honestly, that was one of the most eloquent, well-written comments. I think I've read in a while. That was perfect. Birdie. Awesome stuff. Thanks, man. Do you, <laughs> do you make a mental note of players that tanked it in the third and fourth round last week and not use them in the future? I actually probably use them more often than I should, because most people say I'm not going to use them in the future. <laughs> and then I say, okay, I will. What about Pac? John Pac. So uh, he is a, he, he just turned pro. It's going to be his first professional start. He went to Florida State. He won eight times. He was your 2020 US Open low am. I think he finished 41st or 51st, one of those. Um, he is, uh, I mean, he's very good. He was number one in PGA Tour University rankings this year. That means he's going to get, um, I believe, unlimited Corn Ferry Tour starts for the rest of the year and the opportunity, of course, to accept sponsors' invites on the PGA Tour, which is what he's doing this week. So, yeah, these kids come out of college ready to rock and roll. To answer TJ's question, I actually don't know what type of game he has. I don't know if he does it via ball striking. I don't know if there's a good comp on the PGA Tour. I'd be lying to you, but whatever he's doing, it works because he's won eight times at Florida State. Is Hatton the worst top 20 golfer in the world right now? Not one top 15 finish in the last eight months on the PGA Tour. Yeah, but I think doesn't he, aren't some of his Euro Tour results a lot better? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm looking at the top 20 right now. He might be the worst, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, these other guys are just really good. They're really, really good. I mean, who's the other option? Maybe Abraham Answer. The other uh, Abraham Answer's never won anywhere. Hatton or Answer are probably probably the two of the worst top 20 players in the world, but I would love to be the worst top 20 player in the world. Hey, Rick, thanks for all you do. Any narrative to calm my heart palpitations when I click Brooksy's name and my head screams, it's not a major. When was the last time Brooks finished well in a non-major? Well, if only there was one way to find out. Let's go see. I don't buy that. I, well, first of all, he won Phoenix, right? So that would have been the last time he finished well at a non-major. Um, he finished second at the workday. That would have been a WGC. Uh 38th at Riviera. I guess that's not a great finish for him. Fifth in Houston. He plays well outside of major championships. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about the heart palpitations. The Iceman says, I'm in a one and done. My last two picks are Kucher and Keegan. Do you like Glover, M, Poulter, or Mitchell Moore? Ooh, hold on. So my last two picks. Oh, your last two picks were. Okay, so you don't have Kucher, you don't have Keegan. Okay. Glover's going to be popular. I'm partial to M. So I would probably rank them M, Glover, Mitchell, Poulter. Can we look at the FedEx Cup standings? Who is trying to move up and who moved down? Uh, I'm not going to pull them up. Everybody's trying to move up. <laughs> Do you think Neesmith wins this event? And if not, can you explain why you're wrong? <laughs> It's not a matter of if I will play him. It's a matter of how much I will play him. Thoughts on Putnam. Love your stuff. Let's look at Putnam because we did a deep dive on Putnam before. He was starting to turn it around with everything besides the putter. The putter is how he usually makes his money. Let's take a look at Andrew Putnam. Oh, my God. He's so bad off the tee. Look at this guy. 
He just sprays it. Remember when he did at Puerto Rico, fifth at Puerto Rico, fourth at API, and he's been, I hate to say it, garbage since. He's missed seven of his last eight cuts. At least he will be under own, Gerard. Gerard, excuse me. How popular will Joe, man, we are really in a week where these are the questions. And I, I'm here for it, right? How popular will Jonas Blixt be? How expensive is Jonas Blixt? He's very cheap, right? He's like 60. I have met half a percent ownership. So Colin, you don't have to worry about it. I've answered Ian Poulter quite a couple of times. Any update on Rom? Uh, I don't, there's been no official update on Rom. He is in isolation. And if all goes well, I believe he gets out on Tuesday. He could probably be at Tory Tuesday night or Wednesday. And he could be good to go. And I assume if he's still asymptomatic, he has found a sliver of a driving range somewhere and he's been able to hit balls. Love the content, Rick. When is the PGA going to end this ridiculous farce of penalizing players for testing positive? So what? If I was Rom, I would sue the PGA and Fauci. Seems like a bit much. Um, when when are they going to end the penalizing of players that test positive? Probably when they end testing, which would be, I, I believe, at the end of June. Um, you're, I mean, Rom is not going to sue the PGA. Or I, I don't even know if this is serious or not. John Rom knew he was in the protocol. He knew what the rules were, which is why he, uh, I mean, it's he accepted that he had to withdraw. That's he was in the protocol. He knew that he had close contact with somebody, uh, and I can't imagine John Rom is going to be serving Dr. Fauci with uh, a lawsuit anytime soon. Hey, Rick, what do you think about Kevin Chapel and Russell Knox? I know Chapel played a Corn Ferry Tour event here. Hey, Harbs, good to see you, bud. Um, let's do it. Let's do a little, a little comp here. Let's do chapel and who was it? Knox. And well, again, if you hold control, you can select two of these guys, a little, little trick of the trade here. Uh, let's go since the start of 2021. Thank you. Uh, okay. So both of them have been very good on approach. Although Kevin Chappell only has 10 rounds this year. Is that right? He's not played. He's only played four times. He's missed the cut in three of them and he hasn't played since, well, I guess Byron Nelson was only three weeks ago. Wow. He has not played often. Russell Knox much better. At least he's played and at least he's gained a bunch of strokes on approach. I don't know if you're comparing these two, but I just not enough data or not enough good data for me to be interested in Kevin Chappell. I don't mind posting. I mentioned this earlier, Tom. He's just, the putter is so good. His his path to success is just very, very narrow. It doesn't mean he can't follow that path. It's just very narrow. Um, I actually do like Adam Shank. So there's a call here, or there's a, a, a comment here about Adam Shank 100 to 1 having to be considered. I don't think I would consider it uh, for an outright, but that outright number is certainly going to be dictating uh, the rest of his numbers. And, and Shank is a guy again, on my very short list of golfers for this week, because he's, he's now back to making a lot of cuts. This is what we saw kind of at the end of 2020 for him. And then he went through a little bit of a, of a stretch, but gaining, gaining strokes on approach more consistently, gaining strokes off the tee more consistently. The putter can get magical at times. I I don't know if it is worth a hundred to one, but if you can get his top 10, at maybe 10 to one, something like that is 20 to one or is his uh, top 20 at five to one. I'd be, I'd be a lot interested. Yes. I do believe that Norin will be popular. Can you run a model? I did that earlier. Scroll back. I'm in for six months. 
Thanks, Steve. Much appreciated. If you want to be like Steve, go to rickrungood.com and sign up. I like it. I think you should. A lot of questions about Wilco. I'm going to get his name right this time. Nini Bar, I believe is how he says it. Uh, he is a South African. From what I understand, he will look Bryce, he will make Bryson DeChambeau look short off the tee. This guy is an absolute bomber. But from everything else I understand, the rest of his game is not very good. So I think it's going to be a show. I'm not that interested in actually playing him. I, I, I'm i a pretty big fan of Warinsky. Um, All of these guys have a lot of extra motivation, so I'm not going to attribute it to that. But Warinsky has shown us time and time again, he's kind of a popper. He can play well at times. He can play well on difficult golf courses. I'm a pretty big fan of Richie Warinsky. Love the streams and great content. Thank you. One, did you lose your racer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like to let it grow out. I'll, I'll get it done. Uh, I'll, I'll shave and get a haircut before the U S open. Cause then I'll do a lot of, a lot of, um, uh, you know, network stuff. This is such a strange comment that I have to share it. I don't even know what any of this means. It just says Portia and Simon dating about two months ago and they're engaged. I'm so excited for you both and congratulations to you both and have three weddings and it is amazing. And y'all is so jealous. I mean, I appreciate the positivity of this. I don't even, I don't know what this means, but Michael's excited. How could I not show that? Oh, I think I just lost my spot. Michael got me all caught, got me all caught up. No, no. Okay. I'm here. I'm good. Is jock market bonus only for new signups? I don't know, Bill. I think it might be, but I really don't know. Reach out to those guys. They're very good at answering like DMs or whatever. Just ask them. Who is your pivot off Hatton? Okay, let's look at that. So Hatton is uh, 11, excuse me, yeah, uh, 10,200 and 27% owned. Well, I guess the most natural pivot would be Fitzpatrick, uh, almost half the ownership, only $200 more expensive. If you want to go down, I'm not a fan of going down to English. I'd go down to Sungjae. Those are probably the two most natural pivots. There's a really, oh God, he's going to win the golf tournament, but there's a really good case to be made that you should not be playing Hatton at 27% on this golf course that we don't know. And he just told us all that he's very, very rusty. Background on Davis Thompson, former number one amateur in the world, making his professional debut, went to the University of Georgia, very, very good. He's played in two RSM classics and I believe two other, P I think a US Open as an AM and something else. I think he made one cut in four PGA Tour starts. Why is kid kids so bad lately? Yeah, he's been, he's been horrible. Um, let's see if we can find out why. Oof, the ball striking. Let's open this up just a little bit so we can see. So he loses six strokes on approach at Charles Schwab, somehow makes the cut. Um, the putter has let him down a couple of weeks, which that can't let you down if you're Kisner because the rest of your game is not strong enough. Uh, I would say it's the ball striking. He just hasn't been good. You scroll back a little bit. You see the weeks that he's had success. He's gained three or four strokes on approach. He's not doing it right now. It's it's pretty ugly. Where has Webb Simpson been? Good question. I guess we'll see him next week. Hey, Rick, what's up? Thanks for tipping me on Baylor. Oh, on Baylor earlier this year, the March Madness. Yes, yes, yes. You're welcome. How do you feel about James Hahn? Ooh, I don't think I feel good about James Hahn. But let's get a real a real reaction here. I do not feel good about a guy who's missed seven consecutive cuts. This all, James Hahn cost me so much money at Phoenix, where, fun fact here, uh, William Hill did not include him in the field bet on Sunday as this was going live. 
And he was the only guy they didn't include. And he was like, so the field was listed at like 150 to one, which would have included James Hahn. And I smashed it. And he got up to a three shot lead as he made the turn on 10. And the field was then minus 150. And I was staring at a massive payout. If Hahn could hold a three shot lead with nine to go, he then implodes and finishes 10th. I know no one wants to hear my bad beat stories, but there it is. Talked about Pac. Go back and rewind. I've done a lot of these, which is very a very good sign. Usually, when I when I get to this point, somebody asked about my wife's pick this week. I don't have that comment handy, but she just sent me a message and she said, "I'll go with Von Taylor." I swear to God, she picks the most random people. Top fifty in my one and done after a solid Morikawa week. I have everybody. Ooh, everybody over ten k available. Interesting. So the good news is, um, if you have everybody over ten k available. I would not mind Matt Fitzpatrick because you're probably not going to use him anywhere else. And he's played well. Like we have not probably given Fitzpatrick the credit we've, we, we should in this, in this live stream. But if you look at what he's done on hard golf courses, so this goes back to, I mean, Memorial last year, Mirfield village, he finishes third Olympia fields. He finishes sixth, uh, Riviera fifth concession, 11th. Bay Hill, 10th, Sawgrass, 9th, Kiowa, 23rd. He plays well on hard courses. So if you have everyone available, you should probably save DJ. He's not in great form. You should probably save Brooks maybe for next week. I, I'm in this situation where I've been saving Bryson for next week, and now he looks lost, and maybe I'll use Brooks next week. Um, Hatton, just I'm not that interested in using this week. So Fitzpatrick's probably the guy. Good luck. Rick. <laughs> did you really just put more emphasis on strokes game putting than approach? Who are you? And what have you done with the real Rick? I'm evolving. Listen, we can all evolve, right? We don't want to have the same strategy every single week. I'm trying new things. I'm trying to figure it out. It's been doing well. Thoughts on doc Redmond this week. Ah, oh, man. I thought we were turning the corner with doc. Let's see. I mean, I guess he's striking it better. The, the driver that so when I interviewed Doc, um, I guess at the beginning of the year, at the end of last year, he liked these really tight courses where he could just pound driver down the middle, and he hasn't really had the driver this year. And it's 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 putting him behind the eight ball. The putter's been a lot better. That is a great sign. I guess I guess I could argue he's figured the putter out. That's awesome. He's getting better with the approach. He's got to fix the driver. If he can fix the driver we might be getting back to 2020 doc. Uh, Will it has withdrawn. So you certainly do not want to play him. Not seeing much DJ one and done love this week. I assume just because most people save DJ for majors and for WGCs. And yes, I would rather save him for when he has better form, which player stands out. Oops. I almost blocked you. Sorry, Mike. Uh, which player stands out between 8,200 and 8,300. Okay. So here's 82 Knox and 9,200, excuse me, Poulter. I like Norin. Um, you know, he's been consistently good. I think short game is going to be important this week. He's going to be a little bit popular, but I don't mind that at all. Yeah, the the FOMO. Uh, I also have Doc Redmond FOMO if he's going to win. Uh, it was it was Patrick Cantlay too. He just burned me last week. Thoughts on Hank Lebiota? Yeah, so Lebiota is certainly catching steam this week, and I can show you why. 
I will probably not be a part of this steam, quite frankly. Uh, but 10 strokes gained on approach over his last two weeks. And one of them was a 51st. He had a 13th place finish at the Valspar in a week that he didn't even ball strike it all that well. Um, this to me is a little fool's goldie. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, how sustainable is this? The w- one week where he had his best result, he gained eight strokes in the short game. He's going to be f- more popular than most guys. I'm I'm not as hot on Lebiota as everybody else is. Talked about that. Talked about that. Talked about that. Tim Watley or David Putty? Oh boy, feels like an Arb feels like an Arby's night. Let's go with David Putty. Yeah, you know David Putty is only in like eight episodes or six episodes or something like that out of hundred. I don't know, hundred eighty, maybe more than that. Isn't that nuts? It feels like he's a, a much larger character. He's not. He's awesome. HV three for one and done too cute. I believe that is true. Do you think someone inside the rank, top ranked? Oh, I can't read. Do you think someone ranked inside the top 25 will win or will it be someone else? Top 25 of the world rankings because there's only like three of those guys. Top 25 of the player pool? Yeah, because they would eat up a ton of the win equity. I, I just think I think someone who's going to win it is going to be someone who's won before. Brooks, DJ, or I shouldn't say, it's one international, one worldwide before. Uh, that would be my guess. Any teasers for this week's, next week's US Open? Man, um, first of all, we can do this. So there is a cheat sheet available for the U.S. Open. It's in the dropdown. So if you want to go look at the cheat sheet for next week, you can start doing that right now. I find Xander very, very interesting from like just like intriguing because he's been dominant at U.S. Opens, four consecutive top six finishes, but he's been horrible at Tory until this year, right? So it's like, did he just snap out of that at Tory, and now he's gonna he's gonna go roll? Um, so I find that to be pretty interesting. I'm trying to think who else. I mean, Morikawa would be so good at Tory at a U.S. Open, in my opinion. Um, there was a couple other guys that I thought were super super low priced. Lowry, I know it's like he's just he's just playing too well. Uh, even like a Max Home at 7,300. I don't know. We'll obviously do a full breakdown, but US Open pricing is out. Cheat sheet available on rickrungood.com. Everything you saw today is available on rickrungood.com. Um, I cannot believe we filled an entire hour with a ton of questions about the Palmetto Championship. I tip my hat to you guys because uh, we could have easily packed it in this week, but I think it is going to be a fun one. Uh, on your way out, do me a favor, hit the like button. goes a long way. Join me tonight, 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, same place, Rick Rungood YouTube channel for the Jock Market Power Hour. Best of luck. Go, somebody go win like 200 grand. We've been, the community's been killing it recently. Let's keep it going. Thanks for joining me. It's my favorite hour of the week. Talk to you guys soon.